Bible says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 47. And while he, that being Jesus, was still speaking, behold, a multitude. Uh, let me start over again. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus, and can I just say, every kiss isn't a good kiss. This isn't going to be my message, but I need to tell somebody because I feel a cuffing spirit in the atmosphere. And you got to be careful who you're intimate with in this season because God has something bigger for you. There are some seductive kisses that Jezebel's been dishing out. Don't blow it back. Don't blow it back. Don't blow it back. You got to be careful who kisses you when you see. Okay, let me preach that another day. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw that uh, what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike him with a sword? Because these disciples were gangster. <laughs> they were delivered, but they were still being delivered. Verse 50. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Now, it doesn't say here, but in another text in John, in the same story, we identify that person cutting off the ear. His name is Peter. And that's going to be important for us to know. Verse 51, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and with clubs? And I was with you daily in the temple. You did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Verse 54, our last verse. Having arrested him, they led Jesus and brought him into the high priest's house. Important sentence here. But Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. God, I thank you for your word. It is a light unto our path. It's like a sword with two edges, God. It cuts to the marrow of our being. God, I want to pray that you, because this has just been the theme of my heart this month, that you would give us undistracted devotion. God, that no other thing would take our attention like you take our attention. God, not our spouse, not our family, not our work, not, no component, that we would have devoted eyes undistracted by you, Lord. God, I pray that those who have lost their chase, their seek, their pursuit, that this month they would get it back, Lord. Those who have rested in the last season in apathy, I pray that this is a season for them to be set ablaze and on fire. God, we want to be a people who uh, are not like the church of Ephesus. We don't want to just do the right thing without the right spirit, Lord. We, we want to have a spirit of love. We want to be romanced by you again, Lord. We want to be in love with you. We want to be head over heels, God. Take us back to the days where we weren't embarrassed to go deeper into your presence, Lord. Cause our pursuit to return. God, I pray that this word would edify your people, would glorify your son, and terrify your enemies. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Well, I want to preach to you tonight from the subject, the compromise of a distant follower. The compromise of a distant follower. Verse 54, having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's home. But Peter followed, but he was at a distance. The compromise of a distant follower. Anybody in here need to be delivered from the spirit of Target? 
Yeah, okay, I'll tell my own testimony then. Um, I can't be the only one in this room that walks into a Target and all you're expecting to get is paper towels. That's all you plan on getting. That was the only thing in your list. Somehow you walked out spending $250 on stuff that you really don't need, but most of it was on sale, so they say. Um, okay, I'm finding my witnesses here. Uh, me and Kelly were at Target a while ago, and uh, I forget what we were supposed to get because uh, we lost our purpose very quickly when we got to the candle section. Now, I know I'm a big guy, and I look like Tarzan, but there's a Jane on the inside of this. I like a good candle. Just give me a nicely scented candle. Until I realize how expensive they are. These <laughs> like, I'm not a baller like Sarah. She's got these like $70 candles. They're wild, right? Uh, I'm just looking for the two for ten deal. But after we got the candles, and I remember scratching my head and thinking, I did not come in here for candles. And then when you walk into Target, you realize that it's actually set up for you to be distracted. They actually don't want you to go right to what you want. I want the paper towels. Why do I have to walk through the bathing suits and the underwear and the clothing and all the other stuff? It's because it is built on making profits on your distraction. And I want to tell you that the world system is very similar. The world has set up a system that tries to distract you from what really matters in life. Yeah, it, it'll distract you. And the crazy thing is that it will distract you with a good thing that will get in the way of a God thing. Wow. You can be on, let's imagine we're in a spiritual target. You can be on your way uh, just doing what God's called you to do. Pursuing Jesus and all of a sudden you see her. And you see her. And then you know you saw her. And you even saw him. You start getting distracted. You start pursuing the Lord. And as soon as you get your prayer life together, all of a sudden your boss, we need more hours from you. Because the world has been set up to try to detour you away from the purposes and the plans of God. But I am praying in this season that God would make us a people who are undistracted in our devotion. And we have full of purpose. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've actually gone to Target and only, like, honey, I've only bought what I meant to buy. Do you know how accomplished I feel? That takes a lot of self-control. I just, I went in there for the napkins. I almost got a couple other things, but I came out with just the napkins, right? Right, and that's a difficult thing to do. But that's what God is calling us to do in this season. He's calling us to a path uh, where we are called to be undistracted in our devotion for Him. See, the world has this system, and it's meant to distract you. But the thing I don't understand when I come to Luke, the 22nd chapter, and I'm reading the story about Jesus, and I want to focus on Peter in the story, that Peter is not a, an average follower. He's not your fly-by-night. He's not your person who's in it to win it and not in it when it's not winning. Peter is devoted. Peter is so devoted that he said at a table where Jesus told them to eat his flesh and his blood, he said, I don't get it, but I'm not leaving. He is devoted to the point where he does not even have to understand the plans of God to follow the plans of God. Peter's devoted. Peter's so devoted that in uh, 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 Matthew chapter 14, Peter sees Jesus on the water from a distance, and he's the only one that wants him bad enough to step out of the boat to walk on water and get Jesus. Peter is an avid follower of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Peter is called by Jesus to follow him, and immediately he doesn't think about it, he doesn't get counsel, he doesn't wait for confirmation. (coughs) The Bible says that he drops his nets immediately. Somebody give me some water. Uh, He drops his nets immediately and he begins to follow Jesus. It's important that I paint this picture for you that Peter is not an average follower, but he is an avid follower. Thank you. 
Because we're coming up on Luke, the 22nd chapter. And for some reason, Peter decides to continue to follow Jesus, but not like he had done before. And before we amen too loud, I want to ask you, how's your walk? I want to ask you, are you have you gotten stronger in your walk, or have you gotten weaker in your walk? Do you follow God like you used to in a stronger, more passionate way? Or are you just doing it because you have to? Yeah. See, I want to talk to the distant followers today. Because the most dangerous thing you can be is a distant follower of Christ. Because you aren't following him, just not close enough. Uh, I've said this before in one of our services, but I talked about the Jesus vaccine. And I found out what a vaccine really is. And it's a little bit of the flu. That, and I'm oversimplifying, but they give you a little bit of the flu so that your body acclimates to the flu there and fighting against that very thing. Many of us, we follow Jesus, but we have what I call the Jesus vaccine. We've got just enough Jesus to not have all of them. To feel safe in our relationship because we know John 3.16. Because we go to church. Let me tell you, the devil goes to church more than anybody in this room. As a matter of fact, he's on some worship teams. He's an usher. God is not impressed with your religion. He wants to know, have, have you forgotten how to pursue me passionately? How did Peter get here in Luke chapter 22 where he finds himself following Jesus from a distance? Can I be honest with you for just a moment, Alicia? Following Jesus, it has its benefits, but it is not for the faint at heart. Following Jesus is not for the weak. I heard somebody say, oh, you got to be weak-minded to be a Christian. Have you read the Bible? Like, not if you do it right. Before I follow Jesus, John, I can cuss anybody else I wanted. I can cuss anybody out that I wanted to cuss out and not feel bad about it. Okay, I guess that's just my testimony. All right. I can have sex with whoever I wanted and not feel bad about it. I didn't have to have control. I didn't have to practice self-control. It was when I became a Christian that life actually became a little bit more difficult. And if you're saying my life did not change when I became a Christian, check your salvation. Well, God just, hey, I heard somebody tell me one time, because they told me I was an extreme preacher. They said, well, God just wouldn't call, you know, to give up everything. I said, find me one person in the New Testament who could follow Jesus and not leave everything. See, what we teach you in the Western church is that you can have Jesus added on to the things that you already have. But Jesus will have no roommates in the apartment of your heart. He just won't. He wants to be God and God alone. But how did Peter get here? See, Peter got here a few verses ahead of that. Uh, we see that Peter's the one who cuts off the ear of the servant because they're trying to capture Jesus. And you've got to be careful because religious folks love cutting off ears. Because I want to tell you, the reason you're a distant follower is because you're religious. Distant followers are always religious, and they love rules. God Almighty, give me some rules. Just sexy, just rules. Just tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me how often to show up. And Because I want to make sure everybody is following the rules. And it's when you start comparing your walk with other people's walk that you get distracted in your own devotion. You are, can I, uh, so you help me preach it to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not Holy Spirit Jr. You are not Holy Spirit Jr. It is not our responsibility to try to defend Jesus. He needs no defense. He is God and God alone. But some of us in our tenaciousness, in our religiosity, in our chase after God, we feel like it's our responsibility to destroy people. And it's not. All right, that 
point didn't go over very well. Let me try a couple of other ones. He cuts off the ear of this man. Jesus puts the ear back on. And by the way, if somebody cuts, you know, Anthony's ear off and then I see somebody put it back on, I'm not arresting the dude. If you can put ears back on like that, we're good. (laughs) Savior. (laughs) That's it. But somehow, they continue on to this expedition. And what was happening was, Jesus was being arrested. It's very early in the morning. They're having an illegal kind of court case here with Jesus. And you know how it goes down. And if you don't, I'll preach it on, on Easter. And you'll find out. Uh, we win. <laughs> uh, but, but they take Jesus to Caiaphas' house, the high priest's house. And it's surrounded with all the religious leaders. And that's where we see that Peter follows Jesus from a distance. Because now Jesus is in trouble. And it's hard to follow and chase after God because I don't want to get crossfire. Hmm. Not only does Peter follow Jesus from a distance, but Kelly, the Bible continues to say where he sat in response. The Bible says that he sits by the fire watching what's happening with Jesus. Because for most of the Western Church, we don't want to engage him. We just want to be entertained by him. And I want to ask you, what comfort fire have you sat by as you're entertained by the works of Jesus instead of following after Jesus? In Luke chapter 22, the 55th verse, it says this, Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and, and they sat down together, Peter sat Amongst them. And when you are not chasing after God, you will always chase after comfort. Comfort is the opposite of chasing after God. Because chasing after God means that you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. See, instead of Peter sticking by Jesus' side like he said he would, he has now become a spectator to the discomfort of Christ while he sits in his own comfort. I just want to, just between you and me, rhetorical question. What comforts or compromises do you allow in your life so that you can feel comfortable while you watch Jesus instead of being with him? See, if you're going to be a God chaser, you have to embrace the life of discomfort. But here's the good news, John chapter 14, the 26th verse. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. I have to get it from the King James Version because I like the way it reads. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance and whatsoever I have said unto you. Here's the thing. God has given you a solution to discomfort. It's the comforter. But when you do not rely on the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, you will find false comforts to comfort you in your compromise. So you're supposed to be going after the Holy Spirit because he's the true source of love. But because that's too hard, you end up in lust, which is only the cheap form of love. Any of y'all grew up kind of poor? A couple of us. Okay. I grew up poor. We couldn't afford the OR at the end. uh, But we were happy poor. And when, like, y'all got frosted flakes, we got flaky frosteds. Y'all got Honey Nut Cheerios, we got Honey O's. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And our stuff, well, I don't want to include you because you probably were really wealthy, but, you know, for the poor people. Uh, like, rich people, y'all never had to bend down to buy your, your, your cereal. Like, your cereal is right, right there. You know where I got to get my cereal when I was poor? That big old bag. Come, come on. I got a witness. It, it, did, it didn't have no the box to it. 
It had like a, a little sticker on it, and that was about it. It's like, God bless you, right? And you had to buy it. Now, here's the deal. I grew up on like ghetto cereal like that my whole life. Never had name brand. When I finally had name brand, I was like, oh, oh, there is a difference. Here's the thing about the enemy. He cannot create. He can only manipulate that which has already been created. And so when the enemy offers you love, you have to imagine that it's not love because God is the creation of love. He is love. So what is the enemy offering you? He's offering you the bottom shelf, the lower bag, the discounted version of what you should be going after. And, and here's what you say. I don't need Jesus because it tastes similar. I don't need Christian community because I got my boys who we get high with all the time. It's so quiet in this Baptist church, but this is the message I gotta preach. You, you, many of us have fallen into comforts that are only knockoffs of who Jesus really is. Everything that your heart desires, whether you know it or not, it's not more money, it's Jesus. It's not more relationships, it's Jesus. All of those other things are simply to try to fill the void of what you should be going after. Are you, are you just settling for the enemy's version of the good stuff? See, the Bible says that we have been given a comfort. We don't have to, people ask me about drugs and stuff like that all the time. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's natural. And they say, well, you know, what does the Bible say about getting high? And here's what my response always is. Why do you need to? What are you escaping from choosing not to deal with? Why are you finding your rest in another way when there's a better way? Well, we must got some weed smokers in here. It's real quiet. Y'all making me nervous. So, no, you, you got to catch this. God has given you a comforter. But so often in the times of trouble, when it gets hard, we call our friends. We call Miss Cleo. Well, y'all too young for Miss Cleo. Y'all know about that. All, all my 80 babies and above. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, one earring demonic. Um, it's like, didn't even call this pastor. You've got to learn how to call on the comforter. I love being your pastor, and I love giving you a word of encouragement, but I cannot replace the Holy Spirit for you. I, I, you cannot call me. It's so funny because you'll see when people have not really spent time with Jesus, they just go to their pastor, and if they know I'm prophetic, they're oh, just give me a word. You have prayer life? Go get your own. But we, we want to be babies in the kingdom. And God, okay, I'm going to make some people mad. God is saying it's the season for you to grow up. Okay, help me preach. Look at your neighbor again say, neighbor. The pastor said, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to learn how to walk and chase after God on your own. The comforter has been provided for you. And here's the thing I want to point out as we go through this message. It is not that Peter has stopped following. It's that he's following from a distance. And the dangerous part is that you can follow from a distance for a season, but at some point you will compromise. We see it in Peter's life. If you keep reading Luke chapter 22, it's after he sits by the fire that a little girl looks at him and says, um, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And he completely denies. He goes from following Jesus from a distance to completely denying his relationship with Christ. And before you think that you're too on fire for that to happen to you, I have watched people who have walked with God for 25 years, preach the gospel, lead worship, but slowly begin to distance themselves from the Lord, slowly begin to distance themselves from the things of God, and all of a sudden they're no longer following Jesus. We're all susceptible to falling yeah. if we're not chasing. Yeah. 
Don't, don't get too prideful and say, oh, I would never. What do you mean, never? You want a helmet? Because pride comes before the fall. Here's a question I want to ask you. I want to ask you, are you following God wholeheartedly, or are you a passive follower? Are you just a passerby, just spectating? Can we get those doors? Spectating, just looking at what's happening. You, you come to church! Yeah, you do every Sunday. You don't come to nothing else, though. You don't go to prayer meetings. Amen, Pastor. Preaching good. Thank you. I brought my own support. Um, you, you, you attend, but you're not in it. Some of y'all, you're, you're not engaged in community. You're not engaged in the things of God. You look like you got a chase. But you don't really have a chase. You know chasing language. How are you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored, Lord God is moving. Amen. You haven't prayed since the first coming of the Savior. Jesus. You're still depending on the 33 verses that you learned in children's church, and you refuse to grow. And yet, you know just enough, you're, you're a passive follower. Some of y'all, let me get real, if you're watching this or if you're a guest or something, just blank this part out. Some of y'all have been a part of this church for a couple years now, and you're still a passive follower. Mm -hmm. If they don't say amen, move on. Okay. It's not enough to follow Jesus. You've got to follow him. With passion, let me tell you the difference between distant followers and God chasers. Distant followers say, if I've got time, I'll spend some time with God. God chasers say, I don't have time, but I'm going to make some. Distant followers say, I, I don't feel like it, so I won't do it. God chasers say, I don't feel like it, but my feelings will not rule me. See, distant followers say things like, God loves me, but he doesn't want to use me. God chasers have a revelation of who they are, and they know that God wants to use them. Distant followers say, uh, uh, no one but God can tell me what to do. God chasers are submitted to Christian community. Yeah, I knew that one wasn't going to get a lot of amens. Distant followers say, oh, I, I don't feel like it today. I'm tired, so I'm not going to worship. God chasers say, God deserves my worship even when I'm not feeling it. Let me tell you, y'all not gonna like this one. Distant followers always say stuff like, um, don't judge me. I've never heard a mature Christian say that. Never. I've never heard a mature Christian say, don't judge me. Well, I just don't want that condemnation. It's illegal for you to be in condemnation if you're a believer. Come here, come here with your big head. Uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're experiencing condemnation, check your geography. Because if you're in Christ, the Bible says in Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run therein and that's where they're safe. So you talk about don't, don't judge me. Let me tell you what a God chaser says. God chaser says, Lord, search me and know me and see if there be any wicked ways in me and lead me to the path of righteousness. See, see, God chasers say, I want to be right. I don't want to just look right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is my last one. You will like this one. Distant followers. I just, I'm not being fed at this church. Let me tell you what God chased to say. I know how to cook. <laughs> I think you missed it. Yeah, I was, I was at a church one time. Hopefully nobody's ever said that about our house. But I was at a church one time, and they liked the preaching, and somebody came up to me and was like, man, yeah, I just feel like I'm not getting fed at this church. I said, you know who gets fed at my house? The disabled and the kids. Which one are you? 
Next point. Peter was com comforted by a fire. But what comforts you? Because it's the comforts of this life that are always going to keep you from chasing after God. Let's talk about a few chase killers. Number one, shopping. <laughs> no wonder you can't tithe. Macy's has all your tithe. Alright, that wasn't your chase killer. Next chase killer, sex. S-E-X. Don't look straight ahead. Come on, don't be uncomfortable. Um, sex. Because when you're not resting in the arms of Jesus, you're, you're resting in the lap of anyone. Right? That's not yours. Okay, here's yours. It's work. You workaholic. You you do too much. You don't have to do as much as you do, but you do it because you need distraction, because you're not distracted by Jesus. So let me put all of my efforts, everything into work. So of course you're tired. You don't have time to pray. You, you don't have the energy to seek after the Lord because the work gets everything you've got. Let me talk about another chase killer. Family. Uh-oh. I had to tell somebody recently, yeah, family is one of your ministries, but it is not your first ministry. God is your first ministry. And some of you need to learn boundaries so that God can be first in your life instead of your parents. Yes, Lord. You, come here, come here. Learn how to say no. I can't go. I can't be there. I've got to meet with God. But if you don't learn how to set boundaries, even with your family, they can be a chase killer. Here's another one, entertainment. I just believe we're going to get up to heaven and we're going to be in court and, and we're going to say, God, we didn't have time to spend with you. And God's going to call Netflix to the witness stand. He's going to call Twitter to the, to the witness stand. You know your Instagram and TikTok is going to be on the witness stand. Oh, oh, dear God, your TikTok, Jesus. <laughs> See, entertainment can be a chase killer. Another one, drugs. I am shocked. How many believers are okay with getting high all the time? Getting drunk all the time? Let me not stay on that point too long before you start sweating. Here's another one. Relationships can be a chase killer. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. Friendships. Some of you have every weekend spent with friends. You have no time to rest. No wonder your soul is tired. You're constantly giving it over to people. So now you have no energy to chase after God. Pastors like come to prayer at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Uh, every Saturday in the month of January. And you can't come because all your Fridays are taken up by partying. Amen, lights. Um, here's another one. Ministry. Did you know that you can get so caught up serving the Lord that you forget to love the Lord? And the scary part is You can cover up your lack of love for the Lord With your service for the Lord Because in the church we've got the discernment Of a backwards aim And we can't tell that you've not been with Jesus As long as you continue to serve There are people who come to our church And they try to serve right away And I told you, no, you need to sit down and get right with Jesus you need to get your chase because you're you're not going to be under my leadership and pretending to be a Christian without having the real fruit of it in your heart. We're, we're not going to set you up for failure like that. Ministry can even be a distraction. I'm a whole pastor and a half. Losing weight. But I'm a witness. At least you can preach every Sunday and not walk with me. I know pastors who only pick up the Bible when it's time to preach. Ministries would be a killer of your chase. Here's another one. Traveling. Vacationing. Let me talk to you vacation addicts. It's not that you love vacation. It's that you like running. 
And so you don't want to have to deal with the things that God's calling you to deal with. So, hey, let me just get out of here. I just can't deal with this. Let me just fly off somewhere for the weekend. All right. I got one more. Here's a big one. Offense. You can be offended with God. And it kills your chase. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you why we're offended with God. It's because we expect Jesus to be following us instead of us following Jesus. Good. That's where your offense comes from. Let me tell you, Jesus is not a prostitute. He cannot give him some money every Sunday and expect him to do whatever you want him to do. He is not your sex worker. He is God. Yeah. And some of us have become offended with God. Let me tell you why we're offended. The Bible says, I don't have the verse here, but I promise you it's in there. Kelly, the Bible says that Mary was traveling with Jesus and for three days could not find him. Listen, Mary, come, come here. You can lose a lot of stuff. Lose your keys. Lose your car. Lose your mind if you have to. But don't lose the Savior. And then she has the unmitigated goal that when she finds Jesus, she almost gets upset with him. What? Where have you been? We've been looking for you. And Jesus responds and says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Here's the deal. Here's, let me tell you why Mary lost Jesus. It's because Mary was allowing Jesus to follow her instead of her following Jesus. Did you catch what I said? See, and a lot of us are going around like, we've got Jesus on our side, but we're in the midst of the festivities, and everything is going well, and everything is going so great, and we're not even paying attention to the fact that Jesus isn't with us anymore. We're like Samson, shaking ourselves like we normally do, but the anointing has left us. Hell. Nothing more embarrassing than grabbing the mic and the anointing has left you. Hell. And you not know it. See, the reason, let me tell you, even in that story, Jesus wasn't the one who was lost. Mary was the one who was lost. But when Jesus is following behind you, instead of you following behind Jesus, and let me tell you what that means. That means, oh Jesus, just do whatever I need you to do. I'm going to clear this path out of my way, and you just back me up. That's not how it works, friend. Comforts are not only the things that kill our chase, but let me talk about some other chase killers. Number one, conflict. If you're going to chase after God, you've got to get comfortable with conflict. Because God is going to rearrange your insides. He's going to rearrange your insides first, and then he's going to transform your outsides. And whenever transformation comes, there's a whole lot of conflict. And some of us are saying peace when it is a season of war. And let me put it to you this way. Let me turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Do you know those people who are toxically positive? I mean, their arm could be falling off of their side. Oh, hey, no, it's just, look, now I can see you. It's, everything's great. And some of you have those personality types. But if you're going to be a God chaser, you, let me tell you why you've got to get comfortable with conflict. Because when God comes in, he's not coming to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. But he's coming to make a war with everything that is in the way of you chasing after him. Yeah. And you've got to get comfortable with conflict in your life. With being able to say yes when you need to say yes. No when you need to say no. Some of you don't realize it, but your desire for everything to be harmonious and peaceful is actually in the way of you chasing after God. Wow. You've got to have a little chaos in your life. Just a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit. Here's another one. 
disappointment. It kills the chase. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us are in this room, and I don't want to take this lightly, but some of us are in this room, and there are some things that we believe God for, and God, quote-unquote, did not come through. And we won't tell anybody. It's a secret in our heart. But this is the reason why we can't believe anymore. Well, we've lost the faith. No, we believe in Jesus, but we don't really believe for anything else because it hurts to be disappointed. When you have lived in disappointment so long, hope feels like an attack. And I wonder if some of you have lost your chase because you're resting in disappointment. Here's another one. I talked a little bit about it. Offense with God, but I want to talk about offense with people. Do you know that your prayers aren't answered when you treat people wrong? God missed that verse in the Bible, huh? Yeah, you can shando, hondo, retire a bow tie all you want to, but if you don't learn how to forgive your brother, your gift is void. Yeah. And some of y'all are walking around, and some of y'all are professional Christians. We can go to church with people that we don't like, never speak to them, walk around them, and you think God honors that? <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna chase after God, let me tell you, you're gonna have to get it right with people. Alright? Here's another one. Discomfort. Are you afraid of discomfort? Is your whole life built around not experiencing discomfort? Because I'm going to tell you, waking up at 4 in the morning so that I can be at prayer at 5 in the morning is uncomfortable. But it's also worth it. I can't find much of anything that God will call us to that will be comfortable. Most of what God calls us into is discomfort, at least for a season. And then that discipline turns into desire. It's not comfortable to read chapters of the Bible when you don't understand it. But let me tell you something. Puedo predicar en español ahorita porque uno día me voy a tener una esposa latina, right? Like I can, oh my Hispanic people, you got that. Now I preach, my Spanish isn't as good as it used to be, but you know, it's kind of decent. Let me tell you what I didn't learn overnight, Spanish. Yeah. It took some practice. It took some learning how to roll them arms, right? Some of us come to the Word of God and we get frustrated because we don't understand it overnight. When you don't realize, you've got to go through the discomfort of not understanding it before you can understand it. Why? Because the Word of God is a different language. You've got to learn the language of God. And it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, that's good. You've got to be comfortable with discomfort. And then the last one is discouragement. Psalm chapter 43, verse 5. We'll let you turn there with me. Psalms 43, verse 5. This is one of my favorite scriptures I've held on to since I was a teenager. I've struggled with discouragement and depression for the, the majority of my life. And this is one of the scriptures that I've held on to. The psalmist writes here in Psalms 43, verse 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you uh, disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. When you're walking in discouragement, it becomes very difficult to chase after God. Yeah. Hear me, hear me good. I said difficult, not impossible. Most of us believe a lot that we don't have it in us to chase after God in seasons of discouragement. But you can have chase and discouragement fit in the same space. You've got to learn how to speak to your soul when it's discouraged. Some of you allow your emotions to regulate you way too much. 
Come on, look at me for a second. Are you the ruler of your emotions, or have your emotions ruled over you? Are you a victim to whatever it tells you to do? Okay, you're discouraged today, so let's just be discouraged. That's not what David did. He spoke to his soul. We think David was bipolar. David was not bipolar. He was honest. He he, he didn't want to come to the Lord like, Lord, this is how I'm feeling today. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm downcast. David is honest about his condition. But then he does not land there. How does he finish it? He starts talking to his soul. Oh, heck no. <laughs> this is the NIV version, the Negro International version. Um, oh, heck no. So we, we're not about to be downcast today. You don't place your hope in God. You got, I don't know they say you're crazy if you talk to yourself. My grandmother said you're only crazy if you respond to yourself. But you got to learn how to start talking to yourself. you got to stop putting up with the feelings and the emotions and start regulating your feelings and emotions. You start getting discouraged. You start looking at yourself and declaring who you are in the mirror. I am the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm a lender to nations and not a bar. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a joint heir with Christ. you got to start reading the word over yourself. Start speaking to your soul. And then the psalmist says one more thing. He says, yet will I praise you. God has given you a solution to discouragement. He said, for the spirit of heaviness, I gave you some clothes. They are the garments of praise. And here's the thing with clothes. They don't just jump on you. you got to put them on. You should not need a worship cheerleader. You should just need a memory. (laughs) Thinking about where God brought you from. It ought to stir something inside of you. But you got to command your soul to bless them. You know your soul will submit to your spirit. Just like your flesh will submit to your spirit. If you're going to chase after God, you're going to have to deal with discouragement. Life with Jesus is a journey. The Bible often calls it a race. But along this journey, we have to be prepared in knowing that our path is going to be riddled with hurdles, with distractions, disappointment, discouragement. Nonetheless, we've still been called to journey after and chase after God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I'll let you turn there because we're going to hang there for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you guys getting anything tonight? First Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verse 24 through 27. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. All right, here's what it says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only uh, one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take the prize. Everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. They do it for a crown that is perishable, but we do it for a crown. Good God Almighty. That is imperishable. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly. My life has a direction. I do not fight like I am beating the air. No, I discipline. Somebody say discipline. Discipline. I discipline my body and make my body a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I love a few things that Paul is saying here. He metaphorically says that our relationship, our chase after God is like a race, and we're racing after a prize. He's saying that because so many of us live our life without purpose. We live our life without aim. We live our life without an end in mind. 
We had this horrible saying that is theologically inaccurate when I was growing up, and we all used to say it and quote it, and some of you might know it. You don't want to be too heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Yeah, some of y'all grew up with the same bad theology. Here's the problem. Those of us who are earth who are heavenly minded are the most earthly good. What do I mean? If you do not live with the perspective of eternity in mind, you will not live the fullest like you're supposed to live in this life. Hear what I'm saying, friend. If you don't realize that one day you're going to have your last breath and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and you're going to stand before him and be judged and take account for everything that you've done, for all of the ways that you live. If you don't have that in mind, if you're just living like life is going to be everlasting and eternal on this earth, you're not going to be earthly good. So Paul says, runners don't run without the end in mind. I'm not a fighter who's just beating the air and whatever happens, happens. He said, no, I've got some direction in my life. I'm, I'm not a, I know this is really hard to believe, but I've never run a marathon before. I like that reaction. Whoever said that, I'll buy you dinner after the past. Uh, right when that's the prize. You know, Alicia, she runs a marathon. And let me tell you about Alicia. I don't like Alicia. Because Alicia makes it easy. Like, we were, I think we were hanging out by mile 20 or something like that. And you see all these people, and I mean, they're drenched. This mile 20 of this thing, and they're drenched, drenched. And then we're waiting there, just waiting to see Alicia. And we're looking at the app and tracking. Oh, here she comes. And Alicia's just, yeah. oh, I've been doing this my whole life. I'm just, you know, just starting, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, where the heck is the sweat? <laughs> I used to do cross country all of two weeks in high school until I found out it was just running. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought we were going to do other stuff. <laughs> oh, I better not talk crap about cross country. Sam's going to be a superstar. My bad. Um, but it's, it's, it's a weird sport. Um, cross country, right? And you're just running. Now, I had to call my friend who runs a lot of marathons, and this is how I'm going to end my message, so somebody go find LJ for me, because I'm going to wrap this up soon. Uh, but I had to call a friend of mine to ask him. I said, give me some tips on what I need to prepare and be ready for a marathon race. He said, why? <laughs> None of your business is spiritual. And I wanted to see, is there some alignment with how we prepare in the natural to how we should be prepared in the spirit? All right, are y'all ready for this? Yeah. Um, Alicia doesn't need this, she's great. Uh, he said to me, the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you hydrate well. And you don't want to hydrate just during the race. You want to hydrate leading up to the race and following the race. The Bible always talks about water as the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you how you're going to survive the journey with Christ. You've got to hydrate yourself. Yeah. You've got to drench yourself in the working of the Holy Spirit. You've got to learn how to... Some of you have not... Like, you, you know why you don't hear God's voice? Because you don't shut up. Yeah. Like you just... Every prayer that you just... You're always talking... Have you ever gone to dinner with somebody and they don't ask you anything? They just, I mean, they go, don't look at your spouse, look straight ahead, look straight ahead, right here. Uh, they, they don't ask you anything, they just start talking about themselves. That's what a lot of us do in prayer. I don't, I don't know why God's not giving me an answer. He's waiting for you to take breath. <laughs> Let me tell you, one of the biggest, most powerful things you can do in this season is go on a silent retreat with Pastor Andrew. Don't worry, you're going to shoot through a wall and it's going to be hard. But in that meditation and in the settling of your spirit, there's going to come clarity as you learn how to wait on the Holy Spirit. He said, not only that, you want to make sure that you eat simply, but eat often. And he gave me a list of stuff to eat. 
prove it out. <laughs> but I thought, isn't it the same for the believer? That if we're not constantly devouring the word, our strength is going to begin to wane. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make you so that you're not strong. Because he knows that the only way that he wins is if you give up. Yeah. Hmm. So you've heard me tell this story, but the Bible, or not the Bible, I was reading a document, watching a documentary, and it was talking about the Holocaust, and he was testifying and saying, man, there would be like 50 to 100 of us with only one or two guards. And the guards would have a gun, but the guns wouldn't have bullets in it. And I'm from the hood. I'm like, that sounds easy. Like, 50 versus 2. Until he showed pictures of their emaciated bodies of the Jews. They were literally skin and bones. And the guy begins to testify. He says, I know it seems ridiculous that we didn't overcome them. But even though we wanted to overcome them, because they starved us, we didn't have the strength to fight. You know what your problem is, since you don't know? You pick up the word when you have to. When's the last time you picked up the word and said, Lord, you don't have to speak anything. I just want to memorize the scriptures, just walk through it. I want to study something. I want to dive into it. Not just in the day of trouble, not just on race days, but making this a journey where you're devouring. And I want to encourage you, don't just be a devotional reader of the word of God. Learn how to ask it questions. Learn how to find the answers. Go to Google Seminary. You'll be all right. He said, not only that, <laughs> this one was weird. He said, you want to make sure you lather up with a little bit of Vaseline. I was like, um, why? He said, you want to Vaseline your whole body to keep from chafing. Because the friction of the clothes against your skin will cause bleeding. Now, I thought, because my sisters used to fight back in the day. And they used to do this thing where they took their earrings off and pulled out Vaseline. And I asked my sister one day, I said, why are you getting pretty for a fight? She said, this ain't about getting pretty. She's slathering it on. I just want it so when she punches me or she slaps me, it just slips on off. And I get it. See, this represents your need during your chase to make sure that you rub yourself down with being unoffendable. Yeah, because offense will get you off the chase. The friction of life. And let me tell you, being in relationship with people, if you're in a right relationship, you will get offended at some time. Pastor Andrew, one of my best friends, one of my closest people, he offends me all the time. <laughs> Never offend him, but he offends me all the time. Come on, somebody say amen. Um, but you got to learn how to put some Vaseline on, friend. How, let it just slide off your back. Stop taking everything so personal. I feel like telling like somebody in this section needs this word right here. Stop taking things so You take everything personal. Pastor didn't say hi to me. Maybe pastor's having a bad day. Maybe you should say hi to pastor one time. I, I have never seen such a weak, spineless, offended generation. We're offended at everything. We look for stuff to be offended. We will zoom in on people's Instagram pictures to find events. Oh, you spelled that word. Look at your neighbor to neighbor. Get some spiritual Vaseline. I'm almost done. He then said, make sure that you get to the starting point early and make sure that you get to the poor potty at least 30 to 40 minutes before you need to. And I go, why? He goes, oh, the lines are long and you want to beat the crowd. And I said, this speaks to hunger. How hungry are you? 
See, some of us are not super hungry. That's why we follow God from a distance, and we do whatever the crowd wants us to do, and we just want to get lost in the crowd. That's why we come to church and we sit in the back, even though there's a thousand seats up front. We sit back. We just want to hide. Don't, don't, I, I don't want to be pursuing God so strongly. I don't want to be the first to pray out. I don't want to be the first to sing and worship. I don't want to be the first to lead. You've got to, God has never called a believer to be second place. There's a first place anointing on your life. You were called to forerun. Actually, the reason you were born was to break stuff even in your bloodline. And you're, you're a lineage breaker. But if you are unwilling to pursue and to be passionate and sometimes be the first, you're going to miss out on everything God has for you. He then said, the temperature is apt to rise over the course of the race. So don't overdress. Isn't this what Jesus told his disciples when he sent them two by two? He said, pack lightly. Some of you got too much baggage on you. And it's weighing you down. Some of you got responsibility on you that you're not even supposed to have. I, I get it. You're a great dad. But you're not supposed to be carrying your kids at that same age at 30 years old. Like, let them, let them be adults. It's so quiet. I'm, I must be preaching good. Some of you need to learn how to dress lightly in the season. Because God's on the move. Some of you are too tied down. Here's another one. He said, it's a good thing to listen to music. Running with headphones can be dangerous if you can't hear what's happening around you, but it's a good thing to run with earphones. And as he talked about that more, I thought, man, worship is vital to our lifestyle. Now, music is not the only form of worship. There's so many other forms of worship. But I want to put it here. Worship, without having a rhythm of worship in your life, running this race is real hard because you forget why you're running. I wonder how many of us have stopped chasing hard after God because we forgot our why. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. If we are not devoted in our attention to the Lord, we're going to get distracted. We've got to have a rhythm of worship. But here's, here's the deal. He said to me, he goes, you got to be careful, Alicia, when you wear headphones, because sometimes you need to hear what's going on around you in order to stay safe. Y'all not going to like this point, but it's the only point I got in this right here. Um, some people love to use worship to distract them from what's going on around them. But worship is not called to be a distraction. You can worship and be attentive to what's happening around you. We all know there's people, and if you don't, you're probably that person who, I'm just going to worship through this. No, you're going to come here and sit down and apologize. There's an offense here. I was in a meeting <laughs> One time, and this person, I mean, the Christian cussed me out. You know a Christian cussed me out. Well, God bless you. I mean, they gave me words I did not deserve. And I was trying this like thing where I don't attack back. Amen. Amen. Grace. And uh, so I, I went home, and I was so mad. I started crying. I was like, oh, I, man, Lord. Because here's the thing. I don't mind losing, but I, I do want you to know I can win. Okay, y'all going to know a little bit about pastor's testimony. Like, I'm not going to cuss you out, but I would like you to know that I can ruin your whole life with my words. Like, if I can just, and the Lord wouldn't even let me do that. Lord, let me just warn them. No. I'm your defender. I'm like, he's my defender. I go back the next Sunday, and, because Christians, they don't like to apologize. They just like to pray. Just pray. I'm a new kind of Christian. I don't mean 
Um, they came over to me, and I mean, I was just minding my own business and worship, and they just came and laid hands on me. Oh, God! And this, no joke, I'm... I literally, I took their hand, I said, excuse me. Um, stop talking to the Lord for a second. Stop speaking in tongues, speaking English. Talk to me. You didn't offend the Lord. You hurt me. So the conversation is here. But we love to get spiritual when it's time to deal with real life issues. And some of us use worship to distract us from, oh, I don't need therapy. I just, I got Jesus. No, you need Jesus and two therapists. Well, Jesus is, I was, my, I was preaching and telling people they should get therapy and promoting it. And I, well, Jesus is the answer. I said, stupid. I know he's the answer. But like your math teacher, work out the equation. How is he the answer? Sometimes he's going to be the answer at the altar, and sometimes he's going to be the answer in the doctor's office. He's still the answer. Yeah. One of the things I hate about this uh, new core math that they've got is just, like, it's just all the parents just say amen. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But what they're doing is they're trying to get kids to think differently and to work out things. And I often think that, that living with Jesus, yes, he's the answer. Yes, he's, he's the author and the finisher. But how is he going to be the answer? Because some of us are running this race with worship, but we're, we just don't want to pay attention to any. I mean, hell has broken loose in our home. And we just turn up the music. No! Get some counseling. You gotta have a rhythm of worship, but you gotta pay attention to your surrounding. I got a couple more, and we'll be out of here. He said, You gotta learn how to pace yourself. He goes, You'll have a lot of adrenaline, and in the beginning, you'll just wanna zoom for it. But you've gotta learn how to pace yourself. And I thought, Man, write this down if you're taking notes. When it comes to grace, there is only grace for the pace of your race. There is only grace for the pace. Of your race. And some of you mess up because you start comparing your pace with Sister Watermelon's pace, and you start comparing Sister Watermelon's pace with, with Brother Cantaloupe's pace, and instead of paying attention, you know that's why they put blinders on the horses? Because the horses will get distracted with the pace of those around them and create chaos. Let me tell you why we got traffic jams in the kingdom. Because nobody's paying attention to their lane. And you've got to be determined. That you're going to stay on this race, you're going to stay in this life, but you're going to pace yourself. Let me, let me move on. I was about to say something. Thank you, Jesus. He said this to me. He said, you're going to see these aid stations set up. And they're going to have water and different things. He said, your inclination is going to be to zip right past the aid station. But he said to me, he said, don't zip the aid station, and I could hear the Holy Spirit just tell me, there are some people who are running this race, they are running this chase after God, and they are hurting, they are bleeding, and they refuse to receive aid. Some of you are in the condition of your race that you're in because you won't ask for help. You won't let people in. Nobody can hurt you. You're Teflon. And I want to tell you that you're slowly dying when God set up aid tables for you. Let me tell you what prayer meetings are. They're aid tables. Let me tell you what one-on-one check-ins with your pastor are. They're aid tables. Let me tell you what a text message, can you pray for me, is. That's an aid table. And some of us are zipping because we can do this, man. We've been doing it. We've been taking care of ourselves our whole life. Don't need no man. Don't need no woman. You do. 
maybe not romantically, but you need relationships in your life that will aid your race to Christ. Somebody say amen. He said, um, <laughs> this is a good one, John. Go like this one. Um, he said, bathroom lines are longest at the first few aid stations. If you can wait another couple miles without discomfort, it may save you some time. And, and Kelly, here's what the Holy Ghost tells me. He said, teach my people that this is a season where you're going to have to learn how to carry your crap. Yeah. <laughs> I want to use a different word. we got kids in the room. Um, he said, if it doesn't cause you discomfort, hold on until you get to a bathroom. And I thought, we have a generation of people that just vomit everywhere. I mean, you, you, you give everything to everyone, even though they don't deserve it. You just poop on everybody. I mean, you, how are you doing? Tee on my face! Whoa. You've got to learn how to carry your crap in this season. He said, if you have a friend coming to cheer you on, plan ahead at which spot along the course he or she will meet you. A friend along the way can be a huge boost. And here's what I thought. You've got to learn how to race in community. Yeah. Some of us are racing alone without support, nobody cheering us on. And I've, I've watched people, I was talking to this person who didn't go to church anymore, and their church hurt people love saying, that's exactly why I don't go to church anymore. Yeah. And um, they were saying, man, Something happened, and they were saying, man, that's exactly why I don't go to church anymore. I said, well, help you walk with God. And they started explaining how it is, and I couldn't realize that their walk with God was not as strong as it used to be. You and I, as much as you may hate it, we were meant to race in community. You need somebody cheering you on. One of the reasons you need a tighter relationship with your pastor is because you need somebody cheering in your corner to go, man, you can do it. You're better than that. you got this. That, that's why you need a brother or sister in your life and here's what he said. He goes, tell them where they need to be so you can meet them. And I thought, man, here's vulnerability. Not only telling people that you're in need, but telling them what the need is specifically and how to meet it. That takes a lot of vulnerability. Uh, y'all pray for Pastor Andrew because he has to put up with me all the time because I am I, I'm very needy. <laughs> and I am not afraid to be like, hey, bro, I've got this going on, but I'm going to need some support right here. And some of us don't do that. And we're dying in our race because we don't race in community. Here's the last one. He said, enjoy the energy of all the spectators. Just ignore the big guy who's going to have the box of chocolate donuts. I go, what? He goes, yeah, you'll see a long marathon races. People will have all these treats for you. And they mean well. He goes, just ignore them. They're not going to do any good for you. And I thought, isn't that life? As we're racing along with Jesus, there are tempting things that look good but are not good for us. He said, be careful along the way. It'll help me on the keys. Some of you will know the story of Samson. And Samson had a supernatural strength because of his covenant with the Lord. Y'all remember Samson? Most people think Delilah was the only temptation of Samson. It was the final temptation of Samson. There was one part where uh, he he's not supposed to touch a dead thing because he's a Nazarite. And Nazarites were not allowed to touch anything that was dead. He ends up killing this animal. And then in his return, Kelly, there's a, a honey hive, there's a beehive inside of the mouth of the carcass of the dead lion. And he reaches inside the dead thing to get the good thing. 
And here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, sometimes it's hard to find temptation because the enemy will make something look like an angel of light. But you've got to be careful about grabbing good things inside of dead things. I know you want the promotion. It's a good thing. But how is it going to leave you? Your bank account will be full, I promise you, but your heart will be empty. I know it's a good thing, but is it inside of a dead thing? Baby, I, I know he's fine. I know he's got it all worked out. I mean, he looks like me just chiseled from the head to like he, But he don't even know Jesus. He's got all the other boxes checked off. He's a good dude. He's sensitive. He has a therapist. He's a good man. But he doesn't know Jesus. He's a good thing inside of a dead thing. And some of us mess up right at this point right here. If you're, look at me, if you're finding in your life you don't have time for God, that means that along the way you've got good things inside of dead things. I'm going to wrap it up here. What's the prize that we're running for? It's that eternal perspective. It's the fact that we're running after Christ and in eternity with Him. You remember I read at the beginning of our time, Psalms chapter 63, verse 8. And if you've got it, turn back there with me. In Psalm 63, verse 8, my last verse, the psalmist says, My soul follows close behind you, Lord. That term follows there, when you look it up in the original language, it means to cling to. It's not a passive, follow the leader type situation. It's like, come here, catch her real quick. Don't worry, I'll give you back. See, this is what we think, just stay right there. We think this is what following Jesus is. But that's not what it says in, in Psalm 60. It, it translates to cling. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't do this to Anthony because last time he fought me. So <laughs> this is what following Jesus looks like. I can feel his heart right now. I can I can feel his breath right now. And isn't that supposed to be what it's like with Jesus? You don't know the heart of God? Maybe you're not close enough. You can't feel the wind of his breath. Maybe you're not close enough. No, friend, I'm not denying the fact that you're following after him. I, I applaud you for even making it this far. I'm just saying, come a little bit closer. Yeah. Look at the second half of that verse. Your right hand upholds me. I, faith, the psalmist says, I cling to the Lord. But then he says, your right hand upholds me. I cling he upholds. Can I tell you how you're going to make it, friend? His right hand. What do you mean, Pastor Bill? I had to look up the word uphold because I thought it was the picture of something being in his hand and him upholding me. But when you look up the definition of uphold, it doesn't mean that. What it really means is it's there as a structural support. He's not going to let you down. He's got your back. He's going to be with you. And as a matter of fact, it's his right hand that's actually upholding you. I know why you lost your chase. Because you were being held up by religion, not his right hand. You were being held up by responsibility and not his right hand. 
You're being held up with the fact that you're a fifth generation Christian and you've got to go to church. That's just what we do. And it wasn't his right hand that was holding you up. Every Jewish son longed for their father just to rest his right hand on them because it was a sign of confirmation, of affirmation and blessing. I believe the lifestyle that God is asking for us to live in this season as we chase after him. Just find his hand. Just be close to him in this season. Here's my encouragement to you. I do want to pray for a few folks before we get out. I'm going to prophesy at the end of this month what I sense the Lord doing this year. The Lord's already begun to show me both spiritually and naturally we're going to see warfare in the spring. And I'm saying to the Lord, God, how, how are we going to make it through all of this? And I literally got a picture in my head of the hand of God. It was black. <laughs> black one. <laughs> but I felt the right hand in this vision. I saw the right hand of God come I heard the Lord say, that's how. You're going to learn how to rest under my blessing. You're going to learn how to rest under my affirmation of who you are. You're going to learn how to rest close to me. I was 19 years old. And when I was 19, uh, I got tired of faking. I had grown up in church. I've been going to church since nine months before I was born. I I know church. But this missionary had come to town and he was preaching. And when he would preach about his relationship with God, it didn't feel like my relationship with God. Like he would talk about this passion and pursuit. And for me, it was just rules and regulation and tongues. He mentioned this book, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, and I picked it up, and it's a short, a little bit of a difficult read because of the language, but it's a short book, and I picked it up, and I began to read it. And it's basically a diary of this, this monk, this man of God, who walked with God in his life. I mean, he would just talk to God all day long. He'd be in the store by himself talking to Jesus. And there are stories of Brother Lawrence and, and another brother who, uh, they were taking care of an orphanage, and he would just pray and say, Lord, we don't have milk to show up the next day. Like, he just had a divine walk with God. So I'm reading this book, and I just said, I said, Lord, I've never had this kind of walk with you. I don't want this kind of walk. So I started doing everything Brother Lawrence would do. I'd be washing the dishes. And he said, talk to God like he's a friend just right in front of you. And it was so weird, y'all. <laughs> Jay might be talking to the Lord. How you doing, Jesus? That's good. I didn't hear him say anything. <laughs> I remember one day when I was an intern and we had a hard schedule. I was washing dishes over at the rescue mission. But then you've been a couple weeks and I just washing this dish and I, was, I just said, Lord, I'm trying. I'm trying and I want this walk with you. I want this passionate pursuit with you. But I'm going to be honest, it feels like you're not meeting me. However, tears begin to flow because as soon as I said that in honesty, I felt the Spirit of God just rest on me. I'm just in a way, since then, I've not experienced just a heavy weight. I'm, I couldn't wash dishes. I fell to my knees. I began to weep and cry. I don't know how long I was down there. But after that, I began to walk with God where 
I would literally, I'd be riding my car at the time. I'd be walking down the street just talking to God. God, you know, so-and-so gets on my nerves. But, Lord, just give me grace because I'm going to see them. I, I just talked to God like this, and we had that kind of walk, and it took practice going after God like that. And you know what became easier? Kelly, the thing that became easier was holiness. The reason you can't live holy is because you keep trying instead of the Holy Spirit pushing you. The Holy Spirit needs to empower your walk. All of a sudden, I didn't even, like, I'm, I'm not making this up. I didn't want to sin. I, I was grossly addicted to perversion and sex and all. I had no, like, no, I was just walking through. And people would, like, do stuff to me that normally would make me tell them where to go after this life is over. But all of a sudden, my attitude began to change. Because you can't walk with Jesus for long before you start turning into him. Some of you are hearing me and you're saying, I've never had that kind of walk with the Lord. I pray, I read my Bible, I'm pursuing after God. But the truth is, I don't feel the closeness. There's a distance, a chasm between me and him. There's some parts that you've got to play. There's some things that you need to clean up. There's some arrangements that you need to make in your schedule to fit God in. But then also God sovereignly wants to meet and encounter you. Would you stand to your feet? Jesus. I know this isn't a deep word or a, a super revelatory word. But I sensed in my heart that it was a word that we need. Because God does not desire you in 2023 to be a distant follower again. This is the season where he wants to be first in your life. He wants to be the thing that you chase after. Undistracted devotion. We thank all of you guys for joining us for service or listening on YouTube. Really hope that it was a blessing to you. So if there's something you want to do after, if you want to take a next step, there's three steps you can do. First is get involved. If you want to serve, if you want to volunteer, or you just want to get to know us a little bit better, then go to thecollide.com slash interested so we can connect with you. Second is if you want to give. If you want to support what God's doing at Collide City Church financially, then we need your support. Then go to thecollide.com slash give. And last but not least, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, then you can go to thecollide.com slash salvation. And we want to connect with you. We want to be part of your story. So it's all on the website. Thank you so much. Have a great week.